you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We really appreciate you guys coming by. Thanks for being here with us today. Well, where would we be without you guys? 14 years, 1,400 episodes. There's two to three new ones a day. What more do I got to do to make you people happy, for hell's sakes? Uh, I don't know. Uh, anyway, guys, as always, refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. We really appreciate it because, uh, you know, they want to listen to the show and be smart, too. They don't want to be stuck in their dumbness, and you don't want to go to those family reunions and be like, you again? Uh, so, uh, for the family, friends, and relatives, go to goodreads.com, forward says Chris Voss, youtube.com, forward says Chris Voss, good, uh, let's see, we already did that, linkedin.com, forward says Chris Voss, and uh, that TikTok thing, we're trying to be cool over there, and it's not working, but you know, whatever, we're also on Instagram as well. Uh, anyways, we have an amazing gentleman on the show, he's going to be talking to us about uh, some of the software he developed, and some of the ways that he helps construction get done better, and software, and be an entrepreneur, and uh, we're going to talk about everything damn it everything on the show or try to something like that we only have an hour half an hour 45 minutes but michael pink is joining us today he's the ceo of smart pm he's got over 20 years of construction analysis and analytics experience his passion lies in transforming the industry through data welcome to the show michael how are you i'm well how are you I am excellent today. I'm just having a great time, and it's an honor to have you here. Thank you. Give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs, please. Yeah, we are www.smartpmtech.com. There you go. And uh, give us an overview. What does your company do? So we analyze data in construction, commercial construction, primarily the scheduled data. So, you know, when building a construction project, there's a process for scheduling, you know, the project. There's a big usual schedule file that gets created and updated through all of construction. Mm -hmm. We have a computer system that analyzes that data set. Uh, and that data set is, to me, one of the most powerful data sets to do a number of different things as it relates to gauging performance and risk and impacts and problems and using it to forecast. And that's what we do. It's just a time consuming process that I used to do manually. Yeah. And now we have a computer system that does it and it provides all sorts of value to our customers. You mean those construction buildings, uh, those commercial buildings just don't go up they, like magic? I thought, you know, like one day I look over think, and there's nothing Some would there, think that they there, just yeah. pop right up, but there's all Magic. sorts of people and equipment crawling around trying to build these things on time and on budget. And the industry falls short in that category of getting them done on time mm -hmm. and on budget. And there's always a story. And we want to extract that story and, and understand that story as it's going. There you go. When did you start your company? How many years ago? I started Smart PM. Uh, it was 2016. Um, this wow. was after I came off the heels of a of a consulting business that I was running uh, mm -hmm. as you know an analyst. I uh, wanted mm -hmm. to do analytics in a more proactive way to what I was doing prior to that. And then you know one thing led to another, and we started building technology to help facilitate a better process. And then that technology 
took on a life of its own. Uh, we be we we opened up a technology company to provide this directly to the uh, the customers as opposed to being the user of the technology. Was this your first company you started? Uh, the one prior to uh, the technology was yeah it was I was a consultant uh, for a number of years prior to that yeah. at various firms like Deloitte and KPMG and mm -hmm. some others. Uh, but yeah, that was my first real uh, company that I had started. There you go. So uh, give us a little bit of origin story. What got you in this line of business and down this road? Did you, were you just born with Tonka trucks and, uh, you know, you just. No, to... no, I, honestly, I was not, uh, wasn't thinking about the construction industry when I graduated uh, college. I, I actually um, ended up getting into a construction company as, as a part-time job in college uh, to make some money. I was uh, in, an industrial engineer, which is essentially an engineer who helps build better processes, optimize processes, you know, add efficiencies to various things. And, um, you know, you can go into many, many different fields at the time. Uh, supply chain, logistics, you know, that sort of thing was a popular thing. Setting up manufacturing facilities to be profitable um, was the common job. But my first job since I had worked in construction was... At a, uh, at, at a company called KPMG, which is a large accounting firm, but also had a consulting practice where I was essentially a um, forensic analyst of mm -hmm. projects that had essentially gone bad or gotten over budget or delayed. Um, wasn't necessarily what I was looking to get into, but it was a good opportunity up in New York City. That's where I'm from, up in New York. And uh, I took the job with the idea that if I didn't really like what I was doing, um, I can move around, uh, but mm -hmm. it was very became very interesting to me because, you know, as a person who was trained to fix broken processes and add efficiencies and walking into the construction industry on the back end after problem projects, it was started to spark my brain a little bit on, you know, what are all these, why are all these projects late and over budget? <laughs> what do you do about that? Uh, and that's really what pushed me into where I am now. I used to have a thing in my business uh, that I used to, you know, I had a mortgage company for about 20 years. And the problem with the mortgage company is everyone's kind of a vendor. Like you're the big fish, well, maybe the mortgage uh, lenders are, but you're, you're kind of the big fish and you're relying on all these different vendors, you know, the credit report, the appraisals and all that stuff. And imagine the construction business is like the same. You're trying to build a thing. You got the construction workers, inspectors you know, concrete guys, the mob you got to deal with. No, wait, yeah. that was the nineties in New York. Um, maybe it still is. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, I remember, I think in the nineties, you, in the eighties and nineties, you couldn't pour, you couldn't pour cement without the mob, but, uh, so you gotta, you know, you gotta work that whole thing. You know, uh, what was, what was the Don's name? Uh, John, uh, what is anyway? Gotti. Do it, Gotti, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, you gotta work all that thing. You know, you gotta go to Marlon Brando and be like, Hey, I need a favor. Um, but no, I'm just kidding, but you gotta, you know, you got so many moving parts that you've got to nail down schedule. And so it, it's like project management only. Did you find that back then when you started in the business, uh, you know, everything was manual. There really wasn't any software to it. No, there was scheduling software. Um, mm -hmm. and there, the problem, the, the question was at the time, why, why with all these, processes and all these, you know, these plans, what, what actually ended up happening? Because when the interesting thing about construction, to your point is, yes, there are a ton of moving parts. 
And these are big, big things that they're building that are going to take a long time. Uh, the interesting part was they've agreed to a price and a timeline before the project even started. <laughs> and they've put together a plan before actually hiring, you know, every single sub that's going to be involved, all the vendors. They've actually committed to a plan and a budget. And then they've also gotten started and started, you know, trying to pull all these parts and pieces together. But lo and behold, most of the time it took longer and it cost more money. And that was where the consultant would come in and help them sort of navigate. Well, why did that happen? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was part of the problem that we saw was, you know, first of all, scheduling products have been around for, you know, 40 years since like mm -hmm. actually the fifties, but the real technology was, was, um, you know, the, the technology that they're using today was first brought out to the market in the late seventies, early eighties on desktop computers. And, you know, what you notice from that data set is that they don't necessarily manage the process right. Right. Uh -huh. There's a way to build a schedule. Well, first of all, but not everybody knows how to do that. Very few people actually know how to build a schedule that's worthy of managing a job. So, you know, that's the first problem we solve is, OK, let me look at your data and make sure that your schedules following best practices. But then once you get there, that's when you can start to analyze progress and performance for what it is. And that's the next thing that we do, but those things hadn't been around on top of these scheduling platforms for a very long time. So that was the manual piece was mm -hmm. taking that scheduled data and making sense of it and making sure that it was built well and vetted and, and, and everybody agreed to it, but then following an updating process with some analytics weaved in so that you know how you're doing, which was non-existent as well in those programs. Does that make yeah. sense? It sure does. It sounds like everyone was still using Microsoft Project Manager from 2000, right? Yeah, Project or Primavera. It's an yeah. Oracle product. There's really two big mm -hmm. ones. There's a couple other mm -hmm. companies out there that are, you know, popular in other parts of the world or and or newer versions of similar tools that do scheduling. Uh, but very few products out there that are actually, you know, being utilized in Oracle and Microsoft probably cover 95% of the market or 90% of the market. Oh. So where did you see a way for you to innovate, for you to create a special lane that that uh, gives you an edge? So we, um, well, it just happened because I was doing it uh, manually. So when I get involved in a project, usually it was halfway through and they're like, where are we headed? What's going on? Are we on track? Are we off track? If we're off track, what do we need to do? Or it could be even at the end of the job where the pro the project took too long and it cost too much money and they were arguing over money. Mm -hmm. uh, what I just found after doing that for a number of years was that I kept going to the same place to find out what happened. And that was the schedule data. That mm -hmm. was, you know, the quickest way to get me to understand where they started and what happened over time and how that translated into delays and overruns or being able to understand the state of a job midway through and use that historical information to predict outcomes was all the best data I could find was that schedule data. And that's where, mm -hmm. you know, I just got really in tune with that information. I realized that, you know, people were calling me because they didn't know how to read that stuff. They didn't know how to analyze that stuff. And mm -hmm. I just learned that, you know, if there's any, any place to really learn about a construction project or even looking at multiple projects for a program, you get into that schedule data and, and the amount of information and knowledge that you can gain that will support better outcomes or at least 
break down the problems uh, that can be utilized, you know, forensically or prospectively for gauging risk or predicting risk was all in that schedule data. The problem was it took, you know, weeks, if not months at a time to, for me to analyze that. But having done mm -hmm. it enough, uh, I just was wired to think about automation, right? Like how yeah. do I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, yeah, don't like locking myself in a, in an office for two months and ripping through schedules in like my <laughs> late twenties now into early thirties. I'm done with this stuff. Going let's, down to check if Bob nailed in the nails. Yeah. Let's, let's get this, uh, let's get some computer to do this. So that was actually what kept me engaged uh, in this monotonous task was mm -hmm. constantly thinking about ways that, you know, the things that I was doing uh, for whatever reason it was with the scheduled data, if and how, how I did it, if that could be automated, how would I approach solving this problem mm -hmm. that may actually help add efficiencies into an industry that needs it, you know, pretty much, pretty badly. There you go. Would you call this a SaaS service? Yes. Services yes. Our software? product is mm -hmm. uh, software as a service. People purchase our product and load their data directly mm -hmm. into the system and it starts pumping out analytics in real time. And then as new data sets come, they add it into there and it just keeps giving you wow. feedback at that moment in time for each project that you're on um, and giving, you know, various levels of analytics. You know, the, one of the whole other big issues was that even if one person in your organization can do what I can do, that's one person that needs to then go translate all the data to other people and mm -hmm. various there's various hierarchy in an organization, starting with the executives, getting down through management, and then ultimately into the site teams. They all need to be speaking the same language, and they all need to be understanding this information to collaborate effectively. And that doesn't that's not just for the contractor. That's between owner and contractor. Mm -hmm. So being able to then take that information and put it in a way that people can understand um, mm -hmm. without knowing how to do the actual analysis is, is the second piece of what we do. Ah, so you deliver it in a plain language. I'm looking at some graphs on your website here, and uh, you know you've got different bar graphs and different other variations that can give people breakdown on how things are going. So you guys make automated project controls and schedule analytics software. It leverages billions, billions. I should have like a Carl Sagan uh, soundboard on that. Billions of data points hidden in the schedule to automate it and project reviews. And this can save companies risk, uh, mitigate risk, control costs, and increase profitability. How do you how do you accomplish that? Well, I mean, first and foremost, you know, setting up a project from the get go to be managed effectively using that program. Like I said, that program's mismanaged eighty something percent of the time, which wow. means if people are following that that scheduling program and it's not built well it's prone to making bad decisions along the way. So just from the get-go, we minimize the risk of mismanagement. Um, mm -hmm. And how to quantify that? Usually we quantify it by looking at, you know, what sort of improvements you get on your outcomes. You know, most projects are, you know, I would say most companies finish their projects 10 to 15% late. And we are wow. trying to pull that into getting done on time and mm -hmm. or early, we've got several customers that went from being months late on average, which costs anywhere between two to three hundred thousand a month, and in some cases wow. millions a month just for their indirect costs. If you can cut that time off the end and get done on time, you're going to reach your budget of indirect costs. Now, 
Mm. In addition to that, if and when you're late and, and, and or inefficient with the subcontractors, the subs becoming inefficient can result in claims. Uh, yeah. Being late can result in a claim. Having that claim and hiring attorneys and, and consultants like myself, you know, to defend yourself or to argue the points for that claim is, is, is a cost in and of itself. So really those are the things that we're honed in on is if you can get your projects done on time, you're not at risk of being over budget. And if you are over budget, you have all the information necessary to prove it, uh, mm -hmm. prove the why and the how without having to hire the lawyers and the consultants. And that's just for the construction side. You know, if you think about mm -hmm. the owner side, when the construction company's on the hook for the overrun or the delay, they will ask the owner to pay for it, but the owner's also losing out on the intended use of that asset. So they're they're losing revenue. It's kind of a double whammy, which is how we can sell to both owners and contractors because they're both at risk of a problem to their business. Um, and, and by using a tool like ours, we're not only documenting the story and giving you good analytics to make better decisions along the way to minimize that risk, but we're mm -hmm. also getting you closer to done on time, if not even ahead of schedule in most cases, as well as, um, you know, minimizing that risk of any sort of dispute or argument or claim. Yeah. I know, I know on construction projects, if you piss off the subcontractors and stuff, they can file lawsuits and then file liens and stop work production and yep. cause even more delays. And so, yeah, keeping everybody happy through the whole process uh, can really help make all the difference. And it's amazing. You can save that sort of money. Uh, one of the things you were talking about in your blog, I noticed was this uh, topic of forensic delay analysis is archaic in construction. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, why, why have they been able to keep up with that? Well, the industry, like I said, um, nobody's come up with a solution really, truly to help people get done on time and on budget. I think most solutions can add a part or a piece to the equation of making sure that you, you get your projects done, managed more efficiently. But at the end of the day, we still see the same problems. We still see the same percentages of projects getting done late and over budget as we did 50 years ago. Mm. So that big problem needs to be resolved but in the last 40 years since they started using these scheduling programs uh the way in which they've been managing that process isn't by solutioning it it's been by you know coming up with arguments at the end of the day to ultimately place blame place blame <laughs> yeah which is it. what i did, I did it. Yeah. no exactly there was nobody nobody really truly knew always why this happened there's a lot of opinions there's bias but there was never any data to support you know well contractor says it was the owner's fault or the contractor yeah. said it was the electrician's fault or the electrician said it was the concrete guy's fault <laughs> you know that was always happening and all it happens in every project i mean yeah. quite frankly uh, if projects late and over budget somebody's got a reason but they they haven't actually done an analysis and usually because there's so much at stake, millions of dollars, both from the overrun as well as the lost profits. Um, there's usually a, a back and forth of, well, I didn't cause this, you caused this because somebody's got to pay for it. And normally <laughs> nobody, nobody wants that ball. When you're talking millions of dollars, you don't want to split it. Yeah. Uh, so that's where you go hire a consultant that actually wades through all the data. Forms and it. then the, the, the reason it's archaic is because that data, I mean, 
any consultant can argue anything they want with this data set because there's so many busts in the in the actual data set uh -huh. that you can say, well, if this happened, like it and looks like it did, then it would have been this guy's fault. And usually, unfortunately, and this is where I got hung up in that claims world was there's bias. I mean, there is bias by the by the uh, consultant who should be objective. You can see um, them moving more into an advocacy role and, mm -hmm. and really painting a argument picture like a lawyer would that, well, if this, this and that, then that means it's your fault whereas the other side's doing the same. Mm -hmm. So to me, that really removes this objectivity, this, this objectivity that's necessary and makes it much more subjective. So it's just like kicking the can down the road. And until you have an a, a opinion-free system doing the same analysis, which is what SmartPM is doing, you don't have, you, you have this open area of argument arguments amongst professionals who are speaking at a level above everybody else. <laughs> I, I can see where it can cause a lot of havoc. And, you know, if one thing delays, then, you know, there's there's kind of a, a landslide effect. You know, if Bob doesn't put the nails in and he doesn't show up today, the inspector is going to show up tomorrow and be like, hey, why aren't the nails put in? And they're like, uh, no, I'm just using something really simple. Here. It's exactly right. The yeah. ripple effect of construction. Yeah. And, then, and then Bob's like, well, I'll be in tomorrow to put the nails in. The inspector's like, well, I got a schedule, man. I'll see you guys in three months. And you're like, well, what, what the hell? <laughs> so, and then yeah, they're blaming the inspector for not coming yeah, back. It's the fault nails, Bob right? put the nails in. So I guess with, with your software, people are able to find those data points much easier because data doesn't, I mean, usually doesn't lie. I don't want to make a hyperbole because there's probably times where data is lying. I've seen chat GPT and it has seen me. Um, but uh, so your data, your, your, your ability with your software and your, and your intelligence that is able to go through and figure out, okay, here's where this marker point was where everything started just kind of going right off the rails. Yeah, it's able to do that. Um, mm -hmm. Now, that's not its number one, I, I would say, okay. value prop. It's, it's value prop is to understand performance in real time while documenting those things as well. Being able wow. to really capture history as we go along and use that to better understand risk in the future. Mm -hmm. But all the while documenting those things that are deviating from the plan, giving the user the tools necessary to react well uh, mm -hmm. so that even though these things are going to happen, they are. Bob's going to forget to put his nail in and the inspector's going to get... Bob always forgets to put Fucking his Bob, name man. on it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then the inspector's going to show up, and then he's not going to come back for a week. But the question is, does that mean that we're going to lose a week on the job, or is there a way to manage with this reality? Because things are never going to go right. You know, there's always going to be things that go right. There's always going to be things that don't go right. And then there's going to be the things that you really focus need to focus on going right to manage to that end date, and that's what we're bringing forth. So that that doesn't get lost so that somebody would know if Bob misses that nail on that day and that inspector shows up, we're going to lose a week. They know that a month before that happens. Ah. And they you can see the writing on the wall of the areas that you really need to be honed mm. in on, which may not be what the schedule is telling you, but it may be what the data tells you if you are extrapolating risk correctly uh and and really it's starting to guide you into seeing these things while documenting the impacts and then certainly finding opportunities to improve performance down the road to right the ship if necessary so it's, 
It's not necessarily looking backwards. It's always looking in real time of what can we do with what we know today. Huh. And so basically best case scenario through the, through the hiccups and, and uh, things that go, I mean, how can we autocorrect or correct, you know, get back on course or stay on course or improve from where we're at? Yes. You know? And it's a combination of both those things. To me, yeah. you need to look reactive and proactive at the same time. There you go. Whereas the industry was generally being reactive at the end of a job instead of sort of proactive throughout and reactive and smaller micro bursts to, to keep to that understanding of how do we still accomplish our goal. Usually people are shooting from the hip too mm. early in the job and the schedule's falling apart and nobody's watching, seeing the data, seeing the, the forest through the trees from the data. And then it ends up sort of spiraling out of control under everybody's noses and then the arguments ensue. And that's really the problem we're seeking and actually yeah. solving here. Yeah. And those don't, and this just wastes more time on top of everything else. So the, the software, you know, looks ahead and says, Hey, we need to make sure Bob uh, shows up, and does some nails. So someone goes and talks to Marlon Brando and says, uh, make him an offer. He can't refuse to make sure he shows up on Wednesday. So that, yeah, anyway, I'm just doing jokes. It's exactly how it works up in New York. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll make him an offer. can't refuse. I don't know what that means. Anyway, uh, Godfather folks, one of the greatest movies of all time. So, uh, you, you started this, I'm looking at, like I said, some of the different image, who's your target audience for this, uh, people out there listening, they know, we're going to put some LinkedIn, different things. Who are the people who are your target audience? What industry? Well, obviously commercial, but what uh, what particular people? Well, generally, most of our customers are are, are GCs or CMs, general contractors or construction managers. You know, E and R four hundred is the top largest four hundred contractors in the United States. We sell to a lot of them. Uh, they have big, you know, they have a big understanding of scheduling and project controls and the value of data. But we're also selling to Smaller GCs that do maybe five to 10 projects, I call them mid-market, mm -hmm. uh, maybe not be in the ENR 400, but they still have big projects that are tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, where, you know, every project's at risk of being 10% over budget across the board. You know, those are big dollars that we help them save. So any company that's working on projects over $10 million plus, even in some cases, one to $5 million and uses a scheduling process to manage those jobs we mm -hmm. not only help them understand that process but we give them a tool to understand the data behind that process and then we also sell to owners um, mm -hmm. owners use our product to really gauge performance of the contractor they have access oh. to that data set too like an mm -hmm. owner will receive the schedule files to review the schedule and the progress on the schedule but they don't they don't have the time or the know-how to actually rip into that data. Um, we actually allow them to do that so that they can have good discussions with the contractors. As a matter of fact, several projects, the contractors and owners work collaboratively with Smart PM uh, because oh. it actually exposes good information that they can communicate on. Uh, and then consultants use our product. You know, the consultants like oh. me that mm -hmm. do the forensic delay analysis will use our product consultants who are what's called an owner's rep where they're mm -hmm. representing an owner that doesn't really understand construction as well or doesn't have the time <laughs> i well, just got money they're, man yeah they're just know, looking at it works, on their money. behalf um and then there's schedulers who use our product to make better schedules uh and then yeah. the last market that we've sold to and we're just getting going on is is insurance companies since now we have a lot of data a lot of scheduled data and they like to look at 
you know, where do some of their customers rank uh, from a benchmarking standpoint and what areas can they improve? Uh, and that's yeah. been very helpful to building a solid relationship with their customers and working together to de-risk their jobs. There you go. Can Bob order the software too? So he makes sure and shows up on Wednesday and puts yeah. those nails in. Bob could, but I don't know if he would pay that much for it. <laughs> We're not necessarily cheap, uh, cheap yeah. enough for a tradesman to buy, but you know, it's generally yeah. considered very um, affordable to a, a GC. Um, there you go. Well, if Bob will keep putting those nails in on time, he can probably get some money, you know, and save up yeah, a little bit. Bob, Bob yeah. might want to work with us here. I mean, if he knows, <laughs> he knows how to tell people yeah. how to yeah. go. There we need go. those people here. Uh, so, uh, how does how does the data get entered? It's it's automated project controls and software. Is there somebody who has to be like, "Hey, Bob, did the nails today?" And they have to input that, or how does that work? So we're sitting across. We're sitting on top of a process that exists. So people mm -hmm. build schedules. They update schedules. That that's a process that exists in most commercial projects. It's a requirement in most cases. So. Mm -hmm getting access to that specific data set that already exists in the program and in, in the industry on most projects is all we need to do. Mm -hmm. Some cases people can just load it in manually if they want, depending on how they want to approach it. But we also have an auto gener an auto an automatic, um, you know, loading capability, whether, you know, you have it in a server somewhere or you're loading it into your project management platform like Procore, uh, however you save these files, if you have a system in place, we can tap in and just grab it. Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, you can just manually load it. But yeah, we want to be as non-disruptive as possible as it relates to adding new, you know, steps to the process. So like I said, we're tapping into a process that exists and we're, we have ways to automate it based on you updating your schedule data and saving it somewhere. We'll just get loaded right into our program. And now we've got this new feature that's rolling out where it's going to start automatically sending you your reports to the various people who need whichever reports that we print. Oh, uh, so do you see more, you know, there's this chat GPT and, you know, discussions about AI. Do you see more of that being able to serve the industry and make a difference in everything you're doing? And, and just, uh, I don't know, chat GPT is going to figure it all out. You just, Put it in and be like, hey, what's my schedule? And it just like, I don't know, figures it all out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are taking an approach to AI as well, unrelated to Chat GPT. It's one that's really about studying the data behind all the data that we have and, and mm -hmm. looking at what projects do well, what projects don't do well, you know, what drives project outcomes. We, we're going to classify our projects and compare, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of similar projects to help people understand sequencing and durations better and, and really correct deficiencies in the scheduling schedules that they're building. Um, the other thing that we are thinking or well, probably going to do is also, you know, we we have a lot of good insights into this specific subject matter and we're not limiting it to schedule data. We are going to be looking at cost data, resource data, trying pulling it all together into one place. But as we train our customers, and as we, you know, study our own information and as we talk about what we're seeing and associate that to the data in our database, we fully anticipate capturing all of that information and putting it into a database that ChatGPT can understand. Mm -hmm. If you understand how ChatGPT works, it's um, 
it really goes out to a data set. Well, right now it goes out to the internet. And when you ask it a question about something, it's going to go crawl through hundreds or thousands of sites and find this popular opinion and then essentially regurgitate that popular opinion. Um, now, if you can pull up a subset of information that you understand intimately, like we do, and you create a database of just that information, we will enable our program to um, really start to communicate like we do with this information, but do it in an automated fashion. So we're looking, oh. obviously, analytics, using AI to, to help guide people on better decisions, which wouldn't be a chat GPT type thing. It'd be more designed through our understanding of all the data we have and success and, and, and failure across these projects that you can see from the data mm -hmm. uh, and then giving insights based on that. But then on the other side, as we leverage, you know, this vast knowledge base that we have and that we're getting through all of our phone calls, through all of our meetings with customers, we're going to be capturing that information you know, and then letting our own program start to understand how we're explaining these things and how how we're um, you know what 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 our beliefs are and what how that ties to the data, and and we're going to allow our customers to interject on that as well, so that popular opinion of our own data set can in in our own teachings can be deployed through the tool. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, the future is here, man. I mean, I remember the uh, days when they're like, yeah, somewhere, someday in the future, software will fix everything. Now it's AI will fix everything. And it's probably getting around to fix uh, us human beings. But, you know, we still have some time. It was a good run. Uh, <laughs> so, so there you go. You know, Termina Terminator jokes aside. Anything more we need to know about uh, you and your company and what you guys do? No, I think that covers it all other than, you know, if in, in the shortest breath I can possibly talk you know, without getting into too much of the weeds, our goal as an organization is to really become that platform that knows how to tap into data all over construction, pull it together properly, and then engage you to understanding what that information means as it relates to your project or your portfolio. And as we continue to build that data, we're going to start to understand projects so that it starts to become much more of a tool to be forecasting with you, for you, uh, not only on outcomes, but decisions that need to be made along the way to be successful. And, and our ultimate goal is to optimize this industry, is to mm -hmm. pr produce a world where construction's done on time and on budget and stays out of court. And that's really what our mission is. There you go. Well, being out of, staying in a court is uh, always a good thing. I've always learned because once yeah. the attorneys start fighting, you start paying them, you know, by the hour, and and they uh, cost at least uh, you know a couple bucks. So there you go. Oh yeah. How can uh, how so anybody who's interested in your stuff? I think I noticed that you have a, a consult uh, where people can uh, request a demo of the service and stuff like that. How can people reach out to you and uh, engage with you to do business? Oh, absolutely. Go to our website, www.smartpmtech.com. If you wanted to learn more about our product, you could always request a demonstration. And if you need to get a hold of me or you have any questions and want to learn more directly, you can always just email me. I'm M M Pink at smartpmtech.com. That's M-P-I-N-K at smartpmtech.com. And I'll get you in front of the right people. 
There you go. There you go. Well, Michael, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. We really appreciate it. It's been kind of fun. And this is a great journey, you know, going on an entrepreneurial journey and learning to run your own business and do stuff. And of course, you know, all the crazy stuff that software is going to these days. Yes, it's been quite a journey. You know, back in the days early on, it was a little bit questionable. What am I doing here? Uh, But working through that, you look back and you realize this is probably the most educational, informative and uh, interesting journey I've ever had as it relates to my professional career. So I, I've, I love it. And uh, yeah, it's not always easy, but at the end of the day, it's it's the most rewarding uh, and I've, I've enjoyed it. Well, if you can save people money and you can, you know, uh, streamline things much faster so that everything works, make all the different players happy and all that good stuff, you know, with AI, you might get to the point where, you know, You'll have uh, you'll have that uh, 2001 Space Odyssey Dave who will just you will be like, hey, what's the problem, Dave? And he'll be like, Bob didn't show up today. And you'll be like, can you fix it, Dave? And he'll <laughs> be like, Bob's not going to show up on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, yeah, and he'll be like, hey, Dave, can you open the pod bay doors and fix it? And he'll be like, I can't do that, Dave. Anyway, enough uh, automated AI jokes. Uh, it just. You know, I don't know, man. Uh, there's some people screaming about, you know, Chad GPT going, no, we're just going to end. And, you know, every time I see those Boston Dynamic Robotics, uh, the, the Terminator music goes playing through my head. The little so, dogs running around? Yeah, the little dogs running around. I hear that, dun, 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 you know, from Terminator. The, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I, yeah. I think there's a lot of good that's going to come. Uh, sure. It needs, needs to be. You know, I think the people behind everything and how things are trained is what's most important. Um, and and being able to leverage these tools, you know, to even do it like Khan Academy is doing to teach people to automate mm. teaching, doing it the right way instead of just telling somebody an answer, but teaching them. I mean, that's there's a lot here that can be done and just the speed of information and understanding that far surpasses our 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 abilities as humans. So I think a lot of good will come, um, and I'm not too concerned with uh, the world going to an end from this anytime soon. There you go. There you go. Well, Michael, it's been wonderful to have you on. Thank you very much for coming on the show, and give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs, please. Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Again, it's www.smartpmtech.com. There you go. And thanks, Monis, for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Follow the big 130,000 LinkedIn group over there and the LinkedIn newsletter. Subscribe to that darn thing, eh? And uh, TikTok. We're trying to be cool on TikTok. Go, go help us out there. Go like a video. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Please do it. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.